Welcome to Skull Stories, presented by CenturyLink, trusted technology partner of the Minnesota Vikings. Tonight, Pete Bursich and I are catching up with former Viking center, John Sullivan. Pete, before we chat with John, uh, let's uh, recap Monday night's game against the Chicago Bears. As advertised, it was pretty much uh, a black and blue struggle. Uh, maddening at times because the Bears' offense was about as inept as I've seen an offense in the NFL in a long time, yet the Vikings had to find a way uh, to persevere and win this football game. Right, and, and what's what's great, too, is you've won um, you know this four, four games in a row now, um, and you didn't play... As you didn't play the perfect game yet, so to speak, they still had issues in the kicking game that have to be resolved. So they're, the Vikings are still yet to put this all together, but they've been able over the last few weeks to pull some wins. And you know, you, to see the team just kind of growing up in front of you, they are fixing some things on defense. That offensive line is playing as a unit; they're they're playing so well. That was such a great defensive front, and I thought they did a great job keeping them on their side of the line of scrimmage. Uh, Dalvin Cook is doing his thing. I mean, I think Cousins was was the perfect balance in that game as far as passing attempts go. They used him a little bit more. Uh, you know, Justin Jefferson. I mean, there's so many things to look to that show potential. And you know, at this time of the year, as a player, that's what carries you through this time is to say, "Hey, guys, we're starting to come together. Hey, we're starting to get some momentum. Hey, this is a lot of fun because we've lost. You know, we we've lost five games. We know what it's like." To lose, this is so much more fun to fly home as a winner, and I think it's pulling them together. And I'm excited to see what comes next. Well, again, uh, what's next for the Dallas Cowboys on Sunday? Three straight divisional wins, uh, which really puts you back in the conversation. But all that work, you can't have it go for naught right now and, and drop the ball against beatable teams that they have here the next three, four weeks. No, you're right about that. And, and you know, Dallas is when you see some of these teams like Dallas, they're not as bad as their record is. I mean, they, they're they're minus 13 in the take give. If they fix that alone, they're going to be a you know, a much better football team. Um, and you ha- also have to be, as a player, you have to understand you have lost five games. The pressure's on in that respect. You can't make any mistakes. If you want to be a playoff team, you've got to win a vast majority of these games. There's no more room for error. Let's go. Let's play. And, and we'll see what, you know, see how everything uh, turns out. Well, I know you're excited as I am to talk to, a, a, for you, a, a, a fellow Golden Domer, uh, John Sullivan fun guy to be around and a hellacious football player he just retired recently you know i know he and he and hutchinson and that group they were just a great offensive line that blocked for let's face it a hall of fame running back just a very very unique time here uh with the minnesota vikings with the adrian peterson years with these guys i mean some that was some great great football man so john what's up what do you have up on the wall behind you when I retired, I became a client of uh, a hunting adventure consulting business, basically, back in 2016 after my time in Washington. Uh, I wasn't sure I was going to get signed in the 2017 offseason, so I ended up booking uh, a grizzly bear hunt in Alaska, kind of as a hedge against being depressed Ooh. if I didn't get signed. I'm like, well, at least I have this hunt to look forward to. And uh, I ended up getting signed by the Rams, so I couldn't, I couldn't do the hunt, but I figured that was a good problem to have. Uh, the business is called Steve's Outdoor Adventures, you know, a long-time television program as well, hosted by a guy named Steve West. So my hunt got pushed from 2017 to 2018. I ended up going in the 2018 offseason after re-signing with LA. I went, I was snowed in my tent in uh, central Alaska for 10 days hunting mountain grizzly bears. It was a miserable experience. I got back to Anchorage, immediately called Steve and rebooked for the following year because I wasn't going to let it beat me. 
ended up meeting Steve. He was a Cowboys fan, invited him out, invited him down from Oregon, which is where the business is based, to uh, watch us play the Cowboys in the playoffs when I was in L.A. I was happy we smashed them. I could give him that gift. And then we ended up going on that hunt in 2019 together, filming it for the television show, not getting a bear, which is why it was never made an episode. But he offered me an opportunity to uh, invest in the business. So I became a part owner of Steve's Outdoor Adventures in May of 2019. I work as a hunting consultant for our business that I, I'm, you know, I'm a co-owner of. And uh, it's been a wild ride. You know, we just filmed our fifth episode with, that I've been in. And uh, it's been fun. What's it been like, uh, uh, Steve, to have that kind of point of view with a cameraman along for the ride when you're doing a show and you're aggressively looking for what you want to get done? And there are a lot of down moments, I'm sure, a lot of downtime. Well, I mean, look, that's that's part of what I enjoy about hunting is it challenges me. And it's not just the physical challenge of spending, you know, 10 days in a hunt in Alaska. It can be incredibly frustrating. It's not always super fun in the moment. And I'm not naturally a patient person, but having to, you know, challenge yourself in that way mm-hmm. and, and kind of be up against the odds. Um, I feel like getting uncomfortable is the, is the best way to grow. And I like what hunting does for me. And from that standpoint, I'm passionate about the outdoors really, you know, I was always outside as a kid, but discovered, you know, shooting sports and hunting. When I got to Minnesota, I figured I better embrace something that kind of goes along with the, with the lifestyle and culture <laughs> out here. Um, so I, at that point, you know, I was shooting down at horse and hunt club, did my first upland game hunt and then started hunting big game. And, uh, you know, uh, Rosie, you're right. I mean, when you're out in the field and you have a camera crew with you, it does kind of change things. Now I'm hunting independently of the camera as well. Um, Mm -hmm. Not many of the Western big game hunts when I'm doing those, we're generally filming. Um, And we're always filming at locations where we offer those to our to our clients, you know, so that we've had boots on the ground. We have firsthand experience with the outfitter, the territory. You know, we know that everything for our clients is controlled uh, besides the weather and the animals, which are always going to be variables when it comes to hunting. But uh, it's been it's been fun. Now you get out there in the cold. You're walking around. How does the body feel? The well, body feels amazing because I went from 320 to 230 in about eight months when I retired. <laughs> I didn't even recognize you. I mean, uh, you're not the first or probably the last offensive lineman to drop that kind of way to think of you know Randall McDaniel, uh, a lot of others that have played the game. But did you feel for your just your overall health? You needed to do it. And what was your secret? besides eating a lot of carbs to drop that kind of weight in that kind of time? You know, I, I felt like I needed to do it for my longevity. I went from 320 to, to 300 pounds kind of during that early part of the off season and then waited till May. Talked specifically to the Rams at that point and they were like, look, we might re-sign you, but we want it to be a training camp. And I'm like, yeah, I'm not going to put my life on hold. You know, like I need to figure out what's mm-hmm. next. I'm 33. The Patriots called in August. And then when Matt Skura and Baltimore tore his ACL in November, I was 230. You know, they called my agent. They were like, can John play? And, and I was like, I can try to gain 50 pounds in a couple of weeks, but they have to guarantee they're going to sign me. And they weren't willing to do that. So it was just, it was time to move on. And I'll tell you what, I loved what I did. I loved my 11 years playing football um, in the NFL, obviously five years at the greatest university in the world. And then okay. I was 270 pounds as a 13 year old. So, I mean, I'm smaller wow. now than I was at 13. And being able to get the weight off was just the most unbelievable feeling in the entire world. I woke up every day looking forward to not eating and running on the treadmill. And I went from a size 54 suit to a size 44 suit in a couple months. You know, I could buy pants for the first time in my life. At one point I was wearing 48 (laughs) weight. I'm wearing a 34 now. It's like, it's liberating, honestly. It's, 
it's the greatest thing in the world to be able to buy clothing off the rack and not, you know, feel like you look like a couch wearing around some pattern jacket. Well, for people who are always going on diets, what what advice would you have for them? You, that's a lot of weight to drop. That it come, must have come off pretty easily at first. But you can't just starve yourself. You had to eat something that was healthy, I assume. Yeah, but I ate it. I ate it at extreme calorie deficit. So I actually, okay. I think I lost it a little bit fast. And when I got down to two thirty, I let myself come back up a little bit into the two forties. Then I dipped down into the 220s and then I've let myself come back up. And it's just, you know, adjusting to that new normal. I'll say this, with how, with how drastic, you know, and how committed I was to the diet, it would take a lot of consistent, really unhealthy eating to put the weight back on like I did before. Um, but like, you know, people talk about cheat days and this and that. It's like, I didn't yeah. take a single cheat day that whole time. I stopped drinking and I was never a big drinker, but, you know, I enjoy beer and scotch and wine and all that. I didn't drink at all. And I did cardio for like 60 days straight. I stopped lifting my legs. Hmm. Most of my focus now. Well, the other thing I had too was the hunting. I wanted to do a sheep hunt. I've had a sheep episode that we filmed in Mexico, fortunately, this past February, right before COVID hit. And if you want to be good on the mountain, you can't be 300 pounds. Yeah. You know, so like I, I had that motivation based on what I was doing professionally as well. So it's like, look, if you want to, you want to go up where these, where these, you know, high altitude animals are, you better, uh, you better lose some weight. Want an inside look in the U.S. Bank Stadium on game day? Tune into Vikings pregame all access for an exclusive live stream pregame show providing behind-the-scenes content prior to all Vikings home games. Vikings pregame all access airs one hour before kickoff on Vikings.com, Vikings app, Vikings Connected TV, and social media platforms. And we'll be right back with more Skull Stories right after this. It's Skull season at Mystic Lake. Enter casino and digital drawings for prizes like season tickets, away game trips, and the Polaris side-by-side. Get details and enter now at mysticlake.com slash football. And now let's get back to more Skull stories with John Sullivan. Again, we're talking to John Sullivan, uh, longtime uh, Viking as well. If you don't mind taking a little trip down memory lane, since this, the title of the show is Skull Stories, you could probably write a book about the 2009 season in your spare time. But take us through what that was like uh, with Brett Favre coming to town, the success you had, the, the utter disappointment that it ended in. But at the same time, what, what stands out in your mind about that, that first big year you had here with the Vikings? It was just, look, it was an incredibly fun season. I think I'll never forget the first moment Brett Favre walked in the locker room. There was like an aura around him, like a silver glow. And then you realize it's just his gray hair because he's 40 years old. It's like you don't realize a person is, is real until you see them in the flesh sometimes. And then I remember Steve Hutchinson telling me, he's like, just wait until you hear Brett throw the ball for the first time. It's going to come by your head. It's going to sound like, a, like somebody fired a missile. And you would hear that ball just ripping past you. And then, you know, we start out the year in Cleveland. And if you guys remember that first half against Cleveland, I think we were down 10 going into halftime. Yeah, you didn't look very good, yeah. Well, I mean, Brett didn't show up till week two of the preseason. So, I mean, that's not <laughs> shocking. Uh, Adrian tossing, you know, the DB from Cleveland in the second half of that game on that long mm-hmm. touchdown run, you know, beating the 49ers on Brett to Greg Lewis, who nobody even knew who Greg was at that point. I think he's coaching in the NFL now. Geese lose the man, but. Um, nobody, I think it might have been Greg's first snap with the Vikings. Uh, the Ravens is an underrated game that year. Mm-hmm. Hauschka misses a kick to win it. You know, then we go to Pittsburgh. We have our first, I think we were 7-0. We, we, you know, we went to 7-1, and one, but, you know, totally shot ourselves in the foot. But Adrian running over, you know, the DB, you know, a myriad of moments that stick out from that year. And then we all know how it went in the playoffs. And it was a crushing defeat, but, you know, that's that's why you play the game. There's no there's no point uh, in crying about it. What do you say to a young guy to just 
stick through it? I mean, it's a, it's a, like you said, it's a long season. There's so many ups, so many downs. What do you what what advice do you give to a younger guy or, or a college kid to to weather all that kind of a storm? Over time, what you what you kind of come to realize is number one is control what you can control and focus what you need to focus on to do your job well. The other thing that I realized over time is it's really tough to be specifically results oriented as a player in the NFL. You have to you have to fall in love with the process. You know, and if you if you fall in love with the process and going out and preparing yourself the right way, watching tape, you're not always going to be perfect. I mean, we all know. You get in the NFL, there are some monsters in there. The best guys are going to get killed sometimes. It just is what it is. But if you prepared the right way, if you took the right set, stuff happens. So you can't, you know, spend any time worrying about, okay, you know, we lost this game. Did you prepare correctly? Maybe the ball bounces funny and you lose. But if you fall in love with doing things the right way and doing all the, you know, creating those habits on a daily basis that lead to winning, you can feel fulfilled regardless of the result because you know that you did your best. I got to get back to Far briefly. I wanted to ask you a couple of questions about Brett. Just number one, what was he like as a teammate? But then number two, after the crushing loss and, you know, he got beaten up in, in New Orleans that game. What was the, the story behind the story about convincing him to come back to Minnesota? Were you involved in that escapade to get him or no? I was not. I mean, look, I was only involved in as much as we would, you know, sit in the dorm room down, like in the in the hallways after curfew down in Mankato and talk about it. Like, is Brett coming? Is he not? You know, crazy <laughs> expectations. And then I remember a couple of the guys. I think they flew down to Hattiesburg and you know, yeah, Hutchinson like, and Longwell did. Yeah, and I think Jared went too. Yeah, that's right. Like, you know, we have to convince Brett, but apparently they were like the story that I heard is like they had they had already been designing. You know, he's going to throw his 500th touchdown that year. And they were already designing the logo. So, like, I don't think the decision was made, but they were going to be prepared if he decided to pull the trigger, you know? Was he a good teammate? He was an awesome teammate. And anybody, look, anybody that has a problem with Brett, was Brett treated differently? Of course he was. He was Brett Favre. He shouldn't be treated exactly the same as everybody else. There is a hierarchy amongst the players on a team. The 53rd man on the roster is not going to be treated the same as the 20-year Hall of Fame quarterback who makes a million dollars a game. And if you you think that's not going to be the case, you're crazy. What you have to do is understand your role, understand – that it's a business and mm-hmm. get comfortable with that. What do, what do you miss most about Steve Hutchinson? I, I think the size of his neck. He was just a, <laughs> he, he had the biggest neck I've ever seen in my whole life. He looked like a lion. He really did. He looked like a male lion. But no, he was, Steve is so smart. He's such a sharp guy. You know, I was so thrilled for him getting inducted into the Hall of Fame because I owe so much of my 11 years to Steve. He was like a big brother to me when I got to the Vikings. And I'm, I'm the third of four boys anyway, so I'm comfortable in that role. I have no pride involved in being taken under somebody's wing and asking for help and, you know, taking advice. And Steve was, you know, the consummate professional, the type of guy that I wanted to model my career after. And, you know, I'm, I'm thrilled for him. I know the Hall of Fame was important to him. Mm-hmm. Um, I was, you know, he was a well-deserving candidate. I'm glad that he got in. It's unfortunate that, you know, it went down during all this. I hope that they're honored in a, yeah. in a ceremony at some point. The last time I saw Steve was in Tennessee. We were getting ready to play them in 2017 to win the NFC West. And I could like feel like somebody burning a hole in the back of my head from the sideline, <laughs> like in the end zone, we were in pregame warmups, <laughs> and it was Steve. And I turn around after doing a one-on-one and he's there. I gave him a big hug and it's just, you know, it was great to see him. He's another one who's, you know, transformed his body, you know, in retirement. But you always knew Steve was going to do that, right? Like that's the, yeah. that's the smart and responsible thing to do after you abuse your body. You have a responsibility to yourself, to your family, get as healthy as possible. And Steve was a good role model in that way too. 
You did end up uh, going to a Super Bowl with the, the Rams in 2018. You lost to the Patriots, but your head coach, young head coach, Sean McVay, known around, I guess, his reputation as being kind of a savant, that he has this memory that he can remember every play he's ever called. And what was that experience like for you, going from you know, like the Brad Childress's of the world to a, a Sean McVay and what he was like as a head coach? All these guys bring different you know strengths and weaknesses, and they're different skill sets uh, in terms of coaching. Sean's very charismatic, and, and he's brilliant. You know, the guys love him. He doesn't just understand the offensive side of the ball. He works hard to understand the calls on defense, why certain things are being done in a, you know, on the defensive side of the football. So that when he talks the talk in front of a team meeting, nobody sits there like, oh, he just memorized a couple terms that he doesn't really understand. Mm-hmm. Like he gets the complete picture, but he also delegates. Sean, Sean was the centerpiece of the whole thing, but there was a good situation when a bunch of us came into LA when they decided to make a change to him in 2017. Mm-hmm. But they're right back up at the top of the West again. And that, that division's a meat grinder. The, the, the fourth place team in the division is, you know, fresh off a Super Bowl appearance. So right. I was very fortunate. To, I got to meet Sean in Washington and then, you know, to continue my career there. It was kind of cathartic in terms of how 2009 had gone in the playoffs because mm-hmm. we had the same, same circumstances in 2018 with the Rams. Number two seed, divisional round at home against the Cowboys at New Orleans, end up winning on a field goal in overtime in 18 as opposed to losing on the field goal in overtime in 2009. And that 2009 game against the Saints was the last – the last game that my father ever saw, he ended up um, passing away the following June. So for that to be my last win kind of brought things full circle for me. And yeah. I wish we had finished it up with one more in Super Bowl 53. But, you know, there's no there's no point in sitting around crying about Patriots beat us. Uh, Sully, have you had a chance to see Garrett Bradbury play at all? And, and if you have, what are your thoughts on him as a center in the NFL? Look, I think, I think the sky's the limit for Garrett. Um, I remember when he was coming out because I was, you know, the Rams were talking about, okay, well, maybe we'll resign you if we don't draft anybody. I'm like, they're going to draft this Bradbury kid. And then the Vikings grab him, and I'm like, great, that keeps my, you know, my chance alive with the Rams. And I was hoping to be resigned. <laughs> and I was like, that's great for Minnesota because this kid's an absolute stud. He's incredibly athletic. He reminds me of Jason Kelsey in terms of the athleticism, but he's bigger framed and bigger bodied than Jason is. And I think it got consistently better over the course of the season last year with some of the past set stuff. And you could be strong, but developing developing like a man strength to play on the interior of the offensive line takes a little bit of time. It's why you see most guys hit their stride in year three, year four. I expect, mm-hmm. you know, in the, in the next you know couple seasons, we'll be, you know, perennially thinking of him as one of the top centers in the league. He's, uh, he's exactly what the Vikings drafted him for. And in terms of talking to guys around the organization, like, you know, the guys that I was close with and I still stay in contact with, you know, they all rave about his leadership ability. So... Uh, I think that spot is in, you know, in very good hands. And as a, as a longtime Viking center myself, I'm proud that, you know, he's holding it down. John Sullivan, you got a chance to, as you talked about with Adrian Peterson, in the prime of his career here with the Minnesota Vikings, now as a, as a fan, as a spectator, you can watch Dalvin Cook doing what he's doing. Different skill set, but uh, when, you, when you look at Dalvin, what, what do you think of? I think he's the best running back in the league. I don't think there's much question about that. I don't even know if you were to take him out of the conversation who these who those other guys would be. I think a couple of years ago you're talking about Todd, you're talking about Zeke, you're talking about all those guys. But if you look at the numbers, look at production, Dalvin's the best the NFL has to offer right now. And you saw it last night. I mean, the Bears were doing a really good job. Akeem Hicks is probably the best run, def- you know, interior run defender in the NFL. And when you play that guy, he just he seems to be everywhere. He's just you know the wingspan, the, the way he disrupts plays. Um, even like Dalvin just finds a way to get loose, you know, and I'm not sure what the stat line finish says. I know he had the one long run that was called back for holding. Yeah. But that's the type of thing, right? Like all it takes is one moment. And you used to see that with Adrian. Look back at the Rams game, uh, the Rams Vikings game when we went to St. Louis in 2012. You know, they had a really good run defense that year. We knew that it was going to be feast or famine. 
you know, they're going to, they're going to be a lot of, you know, no game plays, negative one plays, and then Adrian's going to bust an 80 yard touchdown. I think he did that to the tune of, you know, 200 plus yards. And you're seeing that with Dalvin. I think, you know, he's also, he's also dynamic out of the backfield receiving. Um, so I just think he's the complete package. Uh, and I'm glad the Vikings re-signed him. You know, I understand there's a business component to it and you have to figure it out, but you know, he's the premier back in the NFL. So if he had a chance to go back and see Dennis Ryan and hang out in the equipment room, would you still be doing crossword puzzles? And what would you say to guys like Aaron Newman and D Ryan when you saw him? I don't even think I'd say a word. I'd just give him a massive hug. <laughs> you know, it's tough. When I got cut from the Vikings, it was hard, you know, cause those are the people that they become your community, your network, you care about them, you love them. And then all of a sudden it's over. You know, you end up on a new team, you find new people and you develop new relationships and, Sometimes things run their course and it's time for people to move on. Uh, and that's not always a bad thing, but it, it can be a, you know, a gut-wrenching thing. So I would just, you know, I'd come back, I'd give those guys a hug. I remember when I, when I talked to Shugs, you know, the trainer's always involved when you get cut. You know, big hug for him, Rob Roach, and it was, it was sad. So I don't think I'd say a word to any of those mm-hmm. guys. I mean, I've talked to, mm-hmm. to Shugs, I've talked to, you know, I talked to Tom West all the time. But I would just walk in and give D. Ryan the biggest hug he's ever had in his entire life. And then I'd go, I know that the facility's gone now. They're at some beautiful new building in Egan. I'd probably oh, go yeah. sit in the rubble in Eden Prairie at that little <laughs> table we had by the dryers. And I'd invite Hutch and Klein Saucer, and we'd just do some crossword puzzles. No, look, I, I think about those guys all the time, and that's the thing you really value. And Rosie, I mean, how many times did we sit at the K-Fan studios and, oh, you know, be crazy. and have a great time? Like, those are the memories that stick with yeah. you when you're done. Well, real appreciate uh, spending some time with us, John Sullivan, on Skull Stories. It sounds like you have a, a new adventure in your life, and we wish you the best. And continued success and uh, let us know when you get that grizzly i will thanks so much guys are you a little envious of what john sullivan's life is like right now would you like to be a part of that team what's awesome is he's he's replaced his passion for football with a passion for something else and once they get out of the game if they don't have a place to put that a lot of times it's trouble uh, a lot of times guys have problems and issues but it's great to see john just carrying on with that same kind of intensity and it's only because he works hard he's dedicated and you could feel it when he's talking about his new life and i am i am so happy for him as we turn the page quickly to uh, discuss the cowboys coming to us bank stadium on sunday afternoon uh, what are the main keys in your mind in order to keep this winning streak going it starts very simply and that's turnovers and staying on the plus side of the plus minus i mean we were on the on the negative side of that in the beginning of the year we saw the result uh, you have to continue in those ways but you play a dallas team who comes into this into the stadium i think on a minus 13 on the take give Dallas has shot themselves in the foot over and over and over again. They are not a horrible football team. You can't look at the record and say, this is who we're facing. You have to watch the film because this is a, this is a talented Dallas Cowboy team, and it's going to be a great challenge. 325 kickoff Vikings and the Cowboys at U.S. Bank Stadium. Once again, we appreciate John Sullivan taking some time to check in with us here tonight. And Pete, thank you as always for another fun week. And thank you fans for tuning in to another episode of Skull Stories presented by CenturyLink, trusted technology partner of the Minnesota Vikings. We'll see you all again next week.